Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Well, welcome back. Thank you very much. So this is uh, Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are actually live uh, from the office uh, today. Our uh, usual studio is uh, getting uh, renovated, and uh, and so we're we're looking forward to getting back into there. But uh, right now, uh, you're stuck with us uh, from the closet here in uh, in our office. So. It's a fabulous office. So, so today we're going to cover post-op care, but first we're going to answer some questions from our previous episode, which was covering scarring and, and dealing with that. So. Yeah, so we get questions. And uh, and one of the questions, again, we were talking about is is scars and scarring, uh, and especially stuff on the face, uh, stuff on the breast, stuff uh, with the tummy tuck incisions. And so people, some people are, are concerned not at all with the scars. Uh, uh, for example, folks that, you know, some folks, not everybody, but some folks that have lost, you know, 200 pounds uh, weight loss, and uh, they come in, they say, hey, doc, I, I just don't want to fold my skin into my pants anymore. Yeah, they just want the tummy tuck and they don't care. And right? they just, yeah, please <laughs> just take this off. And and yeah. that's cool. And and that's that's fine, especially if they have rashes underneath, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, so that's fine. So pe- some people really, you know, <clears throat> don't mind. And then some people really do. And so, and as a plastic surgeon, especially working in aesthetics, uh, you try to hide the scars best you can and try to put your ducks in a row the best you can so as to get the best uh, result. And we talked about what's good for scarring and we talked about keeping out the sun, we talked about nutrition, we talked about no smoking. Uh, a couple of the, the questions that we, that we got uh, were about uh, silicone uh, strips, which I think are good. Silicone in contact with the scars are good. We like the stuff that's a, a liquid silicone, which then gets t- kind of tacky. Uh, and uh, also compression I, I like, and I also like massage. Uh, and so we, we talked about that um, uh, a bit. Uh, and then we also talked about uh, hypertrophic or keloid scars, where the scar tissue is uh, heaped up. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we uh, neglected to talk about, which a, co- a couple of people called me on, uh, which we do here in the office, is if it starts to look a little bit hypertrophic or a little bit like a keloid, meaning that um, it looks like a bit heaped up, like a speed bump or a little red, uh, then oftentimes we will have people massage it, we'll have people keep it on the sun, but sometimes we'll also go ahead and put a little bit of Kenalog in there, which is a steroid, um, now not steroid like make it big and strong, steroid like anti-inflammatory, and we inject that into the scar. Now typically that really helps, takes down the speed bump, if you will, and takes down some of the, ret- the redness and sometimes takes down some of the itching as well. Now my algorithm is a little bit different, uh, maybe, uh, but I think most folks that trained uh, the kind of way I did is is you see scar, it starts to look a little iffy. Okay, fine. So sometimes you wait, sometimes you don't. Scars typically look their most red and most raised at about four months. So if somebody comes in with that and it's four months, like, ah, okay, well, let's go and wait a little bit. Um, but then we, if we say, all right, well, let's go ahead and jump on this, we'll go ahead and uh, do an injection of the Kenalog, and then typically we'll wait four to six weeks, and then we'll see them again, maybe we'll do a second one, maybe we'll do a third one, right? So my algorithm is is kind of three Kenalog shots, and then there's um, other injectables that we could uh, use. Um, 
and then got three shots of those. And then after that, then in my head, we're like, hmm, maybe we have to talk about excision. Maybe we have to talk about doing something a little bit different. And again, as, as we talked about the last show, uh, we talked about different modalities like pressure. We talked about silicone sheeting. We t- even talked about radiation in uh, in some cases. But, but we got a few questions on that, and, um, and they asked about that thing, and so I wanted to clarify that. So I appreciate that opportunity. Yeah, and we, uh, we should say we... We like questions, and it's actually where we get a lot of our topics. So feel free to send those in. You can either contact uh, Dr. Roth at the office, um, or you can send us emails, messages on the social media. We all, all forms are acceptable. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we actually do look at that stuff, and sometimes I'll get that message on the Instagram uh, in the DMs. They're slotting into my DMs. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and um, they'll say, hey, is this a doctor? And I'm like, well, well, yes, most of the time. But I also have people that help me with that uh, as well. Because, uh, again, I when it comes to social media and things, technology, I need help. Surgery, well, I've been really trained well to do that. But, yeah, some of the technical and stuff. And you're very busy. Not so, not so much. <laughs> so I thankfully have a really good team that helps me out a lot with that. So. That's me. That's right. Um, yes. So I'd say we- that even if he wasn't. <laughs> Standing right here. Um, So post-op care, that's a very big topic, um, has a lot of different meanings to different people. Um, Let's talk about that. Sure. So post-op care, again, we've talked about this a couple of times. Um, You can be the best surgeon in the world. I am not. I've been trained by some of the best, and I just try to emulate them. Uh, So, But especially in hand surgery, for example, is is you can be the best hand surgeon in the world, and you do great surgery, and if the patient doesn't go to occupational therapy and doesn't do the little squeezy ball and doesn't do the range of motion, you're not going to get a result. So basically pre, during, and post-op care in my world uh, is really important and really sets the stage or lines up your ducks in a row, whatever you want to call it, to go ahead and get you the best result you know, possible. Uh, so people ask, okay, what can I do? What can I eat? What can I, you know, to go ahead and get the best results? And a lot of it is stuff that you shouldn't do. And we talked about that. I mean, you know, you got to kind of, you know, lay off the meth a little bit and, and that, but... No smoking. So, yeah, the, the main the main thing, you know, no smoking anything. So, yeah, basically, smoking is bad and evil. Uh, nicotine, we really don't like because it's a vasoconstrictor and you don't get the blood supply where you need it. And by nicotine, smoking is bad, vaping is bad, uh, nicotine, even in the patch, even in chew, it's, it's still that vasoconstricting stuff. Now, uh, cigarettes also, you have a lot of other stuff that gets aerosolized, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's a really big one. And again, we had discussed this before is as many of my colleagues won't do, um, and I won't do uh, facelifts on uh, on smokers. Uh, that goes for breast lifts and tummy tucks to Ys, because all those three operations, on purpose, you're making things perky, but you're putting them on tension. And tension's the enemy of good wound healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically... You want to go ahead and uh, and get as much blood supply and as much oxygen as you can uh, to those uh, tissues, and, and nicotine uh, does not help with that. But so people ask, okay, what can I eat? Well, you have to eat food, and, and what I mean by that is protein, some vegetables, some vitamin C, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to go ahead and get the collagen to line up right and, and get together as a scar and uh, and some carbohydrates uh, as well because you're going to need some energy because we're creating trauma. I'm a nice guy, but I take knife, 
a knife to people, and I create right, trauma. and your body doesn't know that you're a plastic surgeon, right? So, <laughs> or yeah. their body, I should say, right? So yeah. there's certain things that happen in the inflammatory response since caveman, you know, times, uh, things will swell up. Oftentimes, especially my tummy tucks, they patients they'll get upset and they go, "Wait a minute, you took all the stuff off my tummy tuck, ba ba ba," and I, I'm up five pounds. And the answer is, well, yes, you are. And I usually tell the the husband or boyfriend to take the scale and put it in the garage for about a month um, because they won't fit in the rings they won't fit in their skinny jeans and stuff and right, like, the well, body has to adjust right, completely to, completely right. normal so nutrition again you don't have to do the linus pauling craziness with the the vitamin c but basically you have to eat food and and it's important because again we get everybody but you know the we get from from anorexic models to whatever and we we talk about nutrition and that's i was it was beaten into me as a general surgeon because um where I trained, they, that's where they started really looking at nutrition. They started about feeding people uh, via the IV, and they started all this stuff. And so that was really one of their focal points. And um, we learned that those folks that have nutrition, they heal up wounds better. And again, if somebody comes in, you see or you see somebody in the hospital with a bed sore, right, a pressure sore. And if they're a little old lady in the nursing home that's eating saltines for six months, you can be the best plastic surgeon not in the gonna world overcome that. and it, it's not going to work so mm. the, it's just you're sewing to wet toilet paper and you put it together and even if it's gorgeous at the end of the uh, the, the case it's it's not going to work so so nutrition and I used to it, the people always knew when I was rounding in the hospitals because I would run nutritional panels and like oh god Dr. Ross here again and uh, <laughs> to see if this patient would actually be a candidate for appropriate surgery etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm. so nutrition really is important and, and I had somebody Last month, uh, and a nice uh, patient, smart, uh, and ten days after surgery, says, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this, you know, keto, ketogenic uh, right. HCG diet." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute!" And he says, "Oh yeah, I get 500 calories." And I'm like, "Well, no, 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 stop!" I said, "Absolutely the wrong answer." I said, "Do that in a year, okay? If you want, we can talk about that." But no, 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 not when you're trying to heal up a wound. So, yeah. Um, so, would you say that it's more of a holistic approach to medicine versus just? Only focusing on the actual surgical aspect. Yeah, I mean, some guys are, are and gals are really terrific technicians, uh, and they can you know cut and sew and make things look gorgeous, and that's terrific. And then sometimes those folks are surrounded by folks that take care of a lot of the perioperative stuff, uh, and that that's okay. You know, that's the way they've kind of set up their uh, practice or their service in the hospital, or if you're in an academic center, et cetera, et cetera. And that's okay. Uh, we were. It, taught basically we wrote our own tpn orders which is looking back bananas but we did it um and um explain what that is yeah so uh, total parental nutrition is basically if you can't use your gut now if your gut work this is going back to general surgery mm -hmm. uh is if your gut works then use it because when you do food when you eat food your little cells in the gi tract go ahead and absorb those nutritional um elements and so so that that's always it's supporting if, overall right, wellness right if the gut yeah. works use it and uh, and more and more we're finding that if the gut's happy the rest of the body's happy right mm -hmm. and so now you're starting into probiotics you're getting into all this sort of thing so so the, the gut is important for um everything. So those people that really cannot use their gut, and there's a couple things that you can't, pancreatitis, et cetera, et cetera. So, cause you don't want 
food there to stimulate the pancreas because it's already all fired up anyway. So some folks or some folks that for whatever reason, you know, can't eat or they're in a or whatever the case may be. So sometimes you don't want their nutrition to fall off. So you do what's called TPN or total parental nutrition. And what you do there is then you really have to get down to the nitty gritty of, okay, how much fat does this patient need a, a day? How much mm. uh, do the carbohydrate they need a day? How much protein? How much trace elements? How much da 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 And we did all of this stuff. Now they have computer algorithms for this, but remember right. we did this in the you know, 80s, 90s, where we didn't have computers. Uh, we, we, and that was, would you say that was really, phones, that so. was really ahead of the curve. Yeah, and then right, well, for yeah. dealing with with those kind of things. But a lot of people really jumped on it and jumped mm -hmm. on it quickly because uh, it was starting to get presented, and um, the results were night and day if you pay attention to nutrition versus not, and uh, especially in the plastic surgery literature because again we're working at wounds, right? And like, okay, well, how are we going to rehabilitate this uh, person, and how come my because healing is really half of the right, how or if, if not more. <laughs> yeah, how how come how come my beautiful flap that I just went ahead and did uh, just went you know, exactly, and you're yeah. like, well, huh? And I just spent this money, and I want to get it. Outcomes. So, and, uh, yeah, so uh, so we really kind of delved into uh, into all, all that nutrition-wise. So now I think there's a much more consciousness uh, of that, and people want to get uh, tanked up as much as we can. And, and, and frankly, uh, getting back into the reconstructive world, uh, the wound vac... It uh, changed my life. Uh, the wound vac. So what's a wound vac? So basically you come in and for whatever reason you have yourself a big wound and you're, that you're staring at. Okay. So there's called the reconstructive ladder where you're like, okay, can I put this, do I just let it go ahead and granulate in and heal on its own? Or do I try to close it? Do I put a skin graft on top of it? Do I have to swing tissue from one area to the other? And so those are, and do I have to take p tissue out of the body and plug it in um, mm. vessel to vessel and nerve and to nerve. And those are decisions you have to make and those are, that's immediately, your, right? That's your, that's your, that's your ladder. <laughs> right. Now, what has happened with the wound vac, now we used to make our own wound vacs, and, and what it is is basically it's suction, it's a closed suction system on top of wound, right? So we used to go ahead and take these plastic operative sites that we go ahead and put on uh, patients before we operate on them. And so we let's say you have a big wound on your uh, abdomen, right? For whatever reason, didn't uh, heal up, you got this kind of big wound on your head. So now we go ahead and we put two suction canister, two suction tubes, uh, hook them to canisters like the ones you've seen, you know, down the patient's nose, right? And then we would put this plastic thing over it. And so now we have a negative uh, milieu in there and anything that's uh, any liquid or whatever is coming out through the the... Uh, tubes to the uh, drains. Mm -hmm. And so we have found there a lot of good things happen. One is you kind of get a little shrinkage from the vacuum. Uh, the amount of va vessels, vascularity goes up, and that's always good for if you're going to do a secondary operation, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then some uh, folks went ahead and, and put this all in something about the size of a suitcase at KCI, and it, now it's a billion with a B, you know, dollar mm -hmm. uh, industry. And then, oh, yeah, and then we used to take the, I forgot that part, we would take the, you've been to a scrub sink, right? And you, we, where we scrub our hands right. and you have the sponges on the back. Well, we used to take the sponges off the back where there's the rough part where you do your nails and there's the sponge part. And we used to put the sponge part, you know, uh, inside the wound so that you would protect, if there was guts there or whatever, you would protect mm -hmm. that from the suction. And so we would lay that in there. And so we did that. And then of course, KCI did it and now they're a billion dollar company. But what you do with that is, is that gives you time. 
Right. So now it buys you time to make decisions. It buys you time to one to make decisions, but two to get the nutrition up. Okay. Mm. That little lady that's eating saltines. Well, guess what? You can go ahead and put her on. You can can get her to try to eat, whether it's even if it's Ensure. You know what I mean? You can go ahead just to get basic nutrients, something you know, or TPNs or whatever. And now you look at their nutritional profile. You know their. uh, pre-albumin, albumin, transferrin, and like, oh, look at that. Well, now you have a shot at, at going ahead and healing stuff. So mm-hmm. that race basically has really changed a lot of the reconstructive uh, of ladder. So so nutrition of paramount importance. Smoking, we talked about. Uh, activity, activity is really interesting in the post-operative course as well. I think it's really important uh, to get people up and moving. Um, afterwards and keep the clots away etc etc my dad had hip surgery and um i went to see him about you know uh, it was about three hours after the surgery he was already he was already up in his room i get up to his room and he's sitting in one of those you know high chair you know uh, uh seats phil jackson you know chairs and i'm like what are you doing up here and he's like well they put me here i'm like no and i and i went over to the to the nurse's station like is he supposed to be out there and he's like yeah no we do that now i'm like oh okay you know <laughs> protocol i'm like oh okay and um and so then yeah then he goes to rehab blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff yeah. and then i went over to his house to change the dressing and it was you know maybe about four inches and i'm like where's the other half of it and he's like no that's it so i run into a surgeon his uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, in the doctor's lounge and i'm like I went to change it. It's this big. And he's like, yeah, the instrumentation now has gotten so good that it, it yeah. swivels and swivels and you're able to put it in and all that stuff. So so we learned from activity a long time ago, again, back in the 80s, 90s. And we had, well, especially on the orthopedic service, where in bed with them, they had these machines that would go ahead and would bend the knee and bend the knee and bend the mm-hmm. knee. And now these folks are getting up and at it. Uh, you know, a lot faster. I mean, we used to keep at the VA in Philadelphia, again, 30-something years ago, we used to keep hernias in-house for, you know, five days. Oh, you right. know, and, and now... I'm so much more thin. More surgeries are being uh, in an outpatient setting. They're doing totally. Well, a lot joints. of it's just just less invasive, anyways, right? With yes. the endoscopic. Yes, and the technology's gotten so much better, and the perioperative care has gotten so much mm. better that you're that you're able to get away with it. But activity, yeah. Now, some activity is good. Lots of activity, not so good. Yeah, activity to one person is different from another person. Right. So to kind of define that, I guess. So again, yeah. Now, especially with folks that's that. Uh, you know, have a surgery, you, you, you can't go home and do 100 push-ups and then and try to figure out, you know, why, you know, you have a hematoma, right? Mm. So so you really do have to, oh, I don't know, listen uh, and, and, and get guidance uh, as far as what activity to, to do. Like, for example, my tummy tucks, uh, you know, they're, they're up and kind of piddling around the next couple, three days. And that's a, that's a good thing, but they're still kind of a bit hunched over and looking a bit like Groucho Marx, and that's okay. Um, but and that is, I mean, that's a major surgery. I've, yeah. I've actually seen that surgery. Yeah, <laughs> I filmed it, and it's and there's a lot of parts to that too. Part of it was sewing together the muscles, which yeah. was very interesting. And maybe you could talk a little bit about sure. that. So aspect. we change the anatomy, right? So we go ahead and we do the muscles, and then we physically sit them up at about thirty degrees because we take out the swath of tissue, and we physically. So laying on the table, there's no way you're going to get these ends together, right? And so what you do is physically set them up at about 30 degrees. And so, yeah, now you can put everything together. But 
and you have to bend the bed and you have to make sure that when they're walking around and going out to the car that they're still bent over, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually, you know, in seven days, sometimes longer than that, you know, it's 14, 21 days, whatever the case may be, people finally kind of straighten themselves up, depending on how much tension is across the wound, et cetera. So again, those folks, you don't want to put a lot of tension on them. Those folks should not be... Uh, twisting about the the waist and that sort of thing, and so again, you you want to uh, you know cut on tension, sew on no tension, and uh, basically keep tension off of wounds, especially if they're on a, a high tension to begin with on purpose. And uh, yeah, um, how, how important and I, on our talking points here, um, talking about family members and just support post-operative support from family and friends. How important is that for a successful recovery? Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, one is, is I, I always like it when somebody brings in somebody extra to the uh, preoperative conference, mm-hmm. and hopefully that person that's going to be taking care of them uh, afterwards, uh, because they've done the studies, and most people take away about 30% of what the doctor says, right? So <laughs> It's I, always good to have a second set of ears. Because oh, right. yeah. yeah, I said that, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And we, we try to do it all, right? We try to do it visually, we try to do it orally, we try to, you know, it's, we give them a book, we you know, draw pictures, we do all the stuff we can, because some people are different type of learners, okay, fine. And... Um, and we like to pride ourselves that we really teach uh, a lot, but sometimes, again, the message doesn't get across for, for whatever reason, et cetera, et cetera. And people are people are nervous. And when people they come are in, nervous, right? right? People aren't thinking of, uh, you know, of you know, how many times I'm supposed to take this medicine. <laughs> exactly. So you know, okay, okay, it's written down. Yeah, I'll right. get, I'll get yeah. it later. So yeah, so that so the other thing is, is is so I think it's important to bring the family member or friend in. And now with COVID, you can do that now since we're kind of hopefully getting out of all of that because it was the you know right. no, no people in the room room that was a mess uh and the other thing too is is please do ask questions right guys most most guys and gals that i know won't be offended by a question uh especially if you're a concerned family member or a patient and and saying you know doc i just don't i don't i still don't understand it it's okay you know what i mean and we come in and we have a big white coat and we have all these letters after our name and all that good stuff. But I still think it's important to um, to connect with the patient and the patient's family and try your best to go ahead and uh, and teach it. And if it's in a different language, that's okay. You know, go ahead and bring another me- uh, member. And that takes longer, but okay, I'd rather yeah. have that. Yeah, it's really whatever's going to support the best outcome. For right. The and, and we have uh, every plastic surgeon in Vegas that I know has a Spanish speaker in the office. Three of them are native Spanish speakers. So so again, we're trying to break down those those barriers mm-hmm. and kind of demystify uh, things. And then, but yeah, key to ask questions. And again, no such thing as a silly question because again i've played this game thousands of times and this may be the first time you've ever played this game mm-hmm. so it's okay uh to ask questions especially if you're a you know a rookie at it and that can be anything from nutrition to when do i give them uh their pills to how do we wear that garment again or what's the strain thing and so it's it's okay and and i tell them too is his call i i want them to sleep meaning that i don't want them to be worried and be up at night, I want them to call me, get an answer, and go to sleep. 
Right. So that's kind of my, you know, philosophy. And you have that. a great team, a great office team that yep. can help with that, uh, answering those questions as well, even if you're not particularly available yourself. Right. right. So, you know, if I'm physically not available, we have people that have been in the office with me 15 years, 17 years, 10 years. They, they kind of know the drill by now, mm-hmm. uh, one hopes. And so, yeah, and that's that for me, that, that helps me and, and moreover the patient uh, a lot. So so that's all that's all important is the perioperative care. And, and we try to provide to pride ourselves on that and make it the best experience that we can because because you know nobody likes coming to the doctor we're the good news doctor we can you know but but typically fear brings people to the doctor oh my god what is it it's a lot what is it right. and i'm feeling right what is it so i mean we're kind of on a different branch of medicine where people don't it's, a, it's elective yeah it's elective, which is great because you have the the you have time you have the luxury mm-hmm. of time so you can go ahead and get people's nutrition status up you can get people to quit smoking you can get oh wait a minute you know this month's no good, but next month I can get my, you know, Grandma Gertrude from Walla Walla, Washington to come and take care of me. Great. Call Gertrude. Right. So, you know, a gunshot wound, you got to move right away, right? Yeah. So with a, a aesthetic surgery, you have the luxury of time to set up your universe so that it works. And, and we talk about this all the time, especially with folks with windows, like uh, uh, the cops, firemen, school teachers, especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what uh, military personnel, what, what can we do? And, and, the staff in my office is really good at that Tetris game about trying to. <laughs> yeah, because that's not, it's not easy to keep right to keep that all together and and make it all work. Right? Yeah. So yeah, but it's it's you know it's 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 always uh, yeah it's it's always interesting. But yeah, post op care is uh, is always uh, is important, always a challenge, and 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 sometimes life happens, right? So this one uh, gal uh, came in. I forget the surgery. I think it was breast dog lift. Anyhow, so I said, hey, no twisting, no. Uh, uh, she she wasn't ready yet to dunk uh, in the water, right? She can uh, she can be in a shower, but not you know. Mm-hmm. I said no hot tub, no beach, no jacuzzi, right. right? Usual. And she comes in, she says, you know, doc, I think you're gonna be a little mad at me. I'm like, well, why? Well, I was on the boat and my nine year old uh, on the lake, and my nine year old fell off, and I do- I dove in to save him. I'm like. That's okay. Yeah, that's it's, a decent. That's a good good excuse. We'll accept that. I said it's, like, it's a little different it. than my dog ate my homework. So yeah, so I'm like, yeah, that that was that was a good decision. So yeah, so yeah, there's there's yeah, yeah there's, there's there's always that we you know we have, we have, you know patients roll roll in on their post op. Um, their their po- their post op uh, check up with like a, a suitcase like oh, where are you going you know I'm going right here to the I, you know to roll it in behind I'm him flying right? to go, London I'm flying out I'm like, oh, okay yeah, I know and yeah and we get a lot we do get a lot of international uh, visitors and a lot, and everything else so we're, we're used to that uh, but and that's fine as long as like they're not rolling a suitcase right you make right you make uh, arrangements for that yeah. <laughs> As long as you're being careful. Um, yes. Can you let uh, let everybody know how they can uh, contact you? Sure. So uh, we are all over the place. Um, the cornerstone, of course, is the website, uh, which is now relatively new. But if you find typos, please let us know. We're still working through it. Uh, that website is uh, JJ... RothMD, J-J-R-O-T-H-M-D.com, jjrothmd.com. And uh, also, um, we have a ever-winding, uh, ever-widening exposure on social media, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, this podcast, obviously. Uh, and so, and we do check uh, our DMs. We do check the emails and, and we get a lot of, um, in fact, this whole broadcast was uh, about questions that we get often uh, from patients and their family. Mm-hmm. So if you have 
questions. Again, our mission, one of our missions is to demystify uh, plastic surgery and well, medicine uh, as well, because, you know, people are scared because they, they, nobody really likes to interact with a doctor unless that there's, you know, something, something going on. And uh, it's like a big dark room and we try to turn on the lights and, oh, it's a desk and a chair. Well, that's not scary anymore. So again, right. we try to take this demystify. Yeah, yes, and try to take the word. take to take the scary out of uh, that. And you're like, oh, well, this is going to happen next. And this is going to happen next. Oh, oh, really? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I get it. So yeah, and and again, I would rather people spend 20 minutes with me than 20 hours on uh, the internet because Doctor Google often is not your friend, and, <laughs> and so by all means. So true. Uh, I mean, there is some good information out there, and there's some not so hot. So uh, I would much prefer somebody coming in and, and talking to me or another board-certified plastic surgeon like me. Um, that because at least you know you're going to get taken care of, and you know they're up to date typically, you know, really well on, on the literature, uh, and um, and they have you know friends that they can bounce uh, ideas and questions off of. So uh, so yeah, so that so any questions or anything else like that, please don't hesitate. Give us a call and. Uh, and we, we love answering questions. Absolutely. And please make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast to hear future episodes. And we have a whole catalog of our past episodes available, uh, which we invite you to check out. So thanks so much for joining us and have an awesome day, everybody. Have a fantastic day and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.